Good early morning, ladies and gentlemen. Casual Talk Radio is back with another episode here. Gentlemen's World, thank you for listening to us today. Got some interesting topics. Going to go through those. Let's go ahead and get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump into our internal updates for those curious, and then follow on with our topic for today. CasualTalkRadio.net is the site. Check us out. We're making changes. There's still some more changes that are forthcoming. Ties to my internal updates, but just so you know, CasualTalkRadio.net, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, links at the top to contact us comes directly to me. I read each and every one of them. Happy to hear from the listeners. Make sure that we're on track and just see what we're doing. You also can listen to our audio directly from the site. So if you don't have an app or you like to listen from the web, that's a great place to do so. You can still listen from anchor.fm, which is our host, but casualtalkradio.net now does have a player where you can play directly from the site and it'll follow you as you navigate through the site. Check it out when you get a moment. Let's go ahead and get into our internal news here. I got some new hardware in place. We're recording the podcast with the new audio uh, hardware setup, seeing how it comes across. I'm so far vaguely impressed. I wouldn't say that it's a amazing shift in quality from what I was able to do just with basic software, but I did want to kind of step it up a little bit, get a little bit cleaner on the audio and get and test some things too. So let me go ahead and get with my Endeavor updates. The uh, roller coaster continues, although there have been a couple more assurances and there's still no pressure really to relocate. But again, I'm pretty good for the month of July. At this point, I will have to pay one month for August, one month for September under the current contract. And I have to give them notice by the end of August of whether I'm going to renew or not. And I do not plan to renew. So as it stands, still on target to eventually relocate. However, I've not confirmed that I'm going to relocate to where the client is. And so as it stands, I'm just kind of working in the groove with them and trying to get them to change the broken processes. There's been a little bit more openness to do this. So hopefully we all get on the same page and we can move this forward. There's no other updates at this point. The uh, financial situation is moderately resolved. I can't say it's greatly resolved because until I'm at the point where I was in Q1 of 2020 and financially I was in a completely different place in 2020. Once I get back to that point, I'll be good to go. There are also some other decisions I have to make and see if they make any sense for now or I wait till later. I haven't committed and it's hard because you want to commit one way or the other from a planning perspective. I'm always one who wants to lock in plans and it's hard to do that. And this ties to a story I wanted to tell real quick. You know, I was engaging trying to purchase a car. And for those that are like, what do you mean? I had sold my car because there wasn't a reason to have it. Number one, there wasn't a reason to pay for it. Number two. And you know, ultimately I was spending on the electric bill because I would just leave it plugged into the battery because I was not driving it because I was working from home during the pandemic. So I figured I would sell the car that lightened up a lot of the expense on the back end. I don't regret doing it because I think there was no need to have the car at the time. Even now there isn't really a need to have a car, but when I get to relocating, it always helps for certain things to just drive them up there as opposed to leaving them in a box or leaving them in storage or shipping them in a truck or something like sensitive electronics, you know, having them available on the road, for a podcast or anything that I need to do. I felt I wanted just to drive those up. And so there is a need for a vehicle, but it's not a constant need. And so I wanted to get away from the monthly payment. At the end of the day, 
that was what I was heartburning about. As long as I own it, I'm cool. However, the price of cars has significantly gone up. When I was in my 20s, early 20s, I bought a Mustang. Big mistake. But in 1998, I bought a black Mustang. At that time, that car was $17,000 out. And, you know, I was working a job and I was, quote, pre-approved because I was at a bank that apparently just approved everybody who was a customer. And this, this whole different fiasco, I actually went in there for a different car. And they said, you know, it was in the paper. This is back in the time when you would shop in the newspaper. There was no internet to shop around. So I was in the paper trying to find this car. I found this Ford Probe and it's a great price. It was like 4,000 bucks and Ford Probe at one point was my favorite car, dream car, one of them. And I'm like, okay, I want this. So I go down there, down in San Diego, people who know San Diego will be aware of the National City Mile of Cars. The National City Mile of Cars is basically a strip and it's got a bunch of car dealerships along the strip, and it's very well known. So there's one dealership down there. I think it's a Chevy dealer, or maybe it might even been a Ford Direct dealer. But there's a dealership down there, and I they have the Ford Probe allegedly. So I make the call. They say, yep, come on down to Duke Duke. And I go down there. My friend drives me. He has a car, his parents' car. He has a license. So he drives me down there, and I'm saying, okay, great. Let's go and make this deal happen, and we can solve it. Because I had just started this job had a little bit of money ready to go to pull the trigger. And the guy's like, yeah, we don't have it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just saw this in the paper literally yesterday. Yeah, it looks like we sold it, but we got we can get you in the car here. Deep, deep. And so I that was a mistake, arguably, for me to stay, but it was my first time of me buying a car. So in the past, I had access to a vehicle through other means, but I this was the first time me buying a car. And I hadn't gone through this cycle before, and neither had he, my friend. So... I just said, okay, let's see what you got. And as long as it's reasonable and it gets me from A to B, I guess it's fine. And so he's talking about all these other ones. There's a, a Ford Taurus and all these other ones. And the problem with the one he wanted to put me in, it was like $10,000. I'm pretty sure it was a Focus. And it's like 10000 bucks, but it's a stick. And I hadn't driven stick to an excessive degree. The only time I'd ever touched a stick, a manual transmission. My brother had a 300Z. He actually had three of them. 300Z, and he was trying to teach me how to drive it. I didn't want to jack up his gears, so I didn't do it a lot. So I didn't have the experience. Well, the guy's like, you're in the problem. Take you up on the roof, teach you how to do it, and take you five minutes. Deep, deep. Okay, well, fine. We we go up, and we're trying this, and I'm jacking the gears, and it's not working for me anyway. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to work out. And I'm eventually in my mind saying, I got to walk away from this. So then he's like, you know what? We'll just make it work, and we'll treat. We'll teach you how. We'll go to a lot. We'll teach you. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. He's pressuring me to do it. Fine. So my friend is, he's patient, but he's like, I don't think this is going to work out. Okay, fine. So then he goes in the back, the dealer guy, he goes in the back and he's trying to make the deal happen. He comes back out and says, well, we can't sell you that car. Well, why not? Well, the limit, the dollar limit, da, 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 da. basically what he was trying to say, but he didn't do a good job. There are certain calculations that happen based on how much money you make, your level of you know, your credit score and what they think you can tolerate in terms of a monthly versus the profit versus all these other things. And so this ratio that they calculate apparently came back on the car as too low, meaning that there wasn't enough pad between how much I would need to pay the profit they expected to make and the car's retail price. So, okay, fine. Then I'll just go to another deal and find something else. He's like, no, 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 no. We got another car. We can get you in a car. It just can't be that one. And he tells me about this Mustang. It's a black Mustang base model. 
And again, it's the 98, so it's the one that actually looks decent attractive, but they, they it was less attractive than the old, but more attractive than the current. <laughs> so he guides me over to this. I'm looking at it. This is a $17,000 car. I'm like, that's a lot of money. He's like, don't worry. The monthly is going to work out. It'd be the same thing as what this other one was. And I test drove the car. It was okay. It wasn't great. Only I liked about it was the growl when it drove. Other than that, it was nice looking, but it didn't really have much to it. So they... This guy, the finance guy, then we're working the deal. Finance guy comes out and he's like, all right, now, because I'm going to do the down payment, I'm going to write a check for the down payment. Guy comes out. He's like, all right, now, if you don't pay for this, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to lock you up in jail. Hi, how you doing? Tries to shake my hand. Just does this weird. And my friend, I remember the look he gave this dude because it was like the shady thing to this kid. I'm a kid at this point. So I said, all right, whatever, fine whatever, it's going to work out. I can make the payments because I could make the payments. It just was the down payment and I had to buy some time. The down payment worked out. I get the car three months into this garbage. The brakes go out. The the audio system blows out. Like I'm having issue after issue after issue. I'm taking it in there constantly. They fixed it under warranty. The point is it was a basically a lemon. All it had going for it was that it was nice to look at. And there was a girl that at the time was like a blind date. And that was where my first kiss happened was in that car. That's it. Other than that, and I had an identity online around it, but other than that, it was a garbage experience. Well, why am I telling you that story? Because when I had gone through this and I see what happens with this car and I realized that ultimately I just got swindled into something that I essentially should not have, I should have stuck to my guns. So when I buy that, it was a mistake. And later I went to used cars. Used cars were okay, but they would always have these issues. I had bought a purple uh, Sebring, Chrysler Sebring, and I'm driving home and the transmission just completely just drops out the thing. While I'm driving on the freeway, if you know San Diego, I'm pretty, pretty sure it's 15 across the bridge heading south. And fortunately, the guy behind me was smart enough to slam, you know, not slam into the back of me. But the point is, I had to do that, I had to get it towed, try to get it fixed. They got it fixed, but it never drove the same. And then I had the green geo storm that car took well care of me. I didn't have major issues, but one day I was driving to work and the spark plug, I heard a bing, and apparently the spark plug had just shot out from the engine block and oil was spewing all over the inner of the, of the hood, but it still drove because I had done motor up. The story behind motor up and used cars is a something for a later episode. Maybe I'll do that Wednesday. But the point is I was just, okay, this is frustrating. I don't know what the heck to do here. And I'm at my, I'm like sick of used cars. It just everything. So then eventually I get to the Nissan Altima in 2009, brand new, had major issues with that one. 2011 Altima, I traded in 2009 on that one. No major issues. I had driven that up to Washington, traded it on Aston Marcus, which was a Ford Fusion 2013. Had him all the way till 2019, where I traded it on a newer version of the electric Fusion which I only had him for until just recently when I sold it. So I had, and that was used. So I just, I felt like it didn't really matter later in life. I felt like used, new, didn't really matter. It's always rolling the dice, whether you're going to have these issues. The difference is how much money you're going to spend to fix this. So as with the white, you know, the fusion I had here recently, I didn't have any issues at all with it. It worked perfectly fine. Aston Marcus, I didn't have any issues with it. That was the black one. No issues whatsoever. But with the white one, because I'm not driving it, all of a sudden I start having issues. They want to be driven. The battery starts having issues. The oil starts to be a problem. The gas starts to be an issue. So then 
because I'm not driving it, I just let it go. And that was fine. I got like thousands of dollars and I was happy and cool and clean. But now I'm at this point where there may be a need for me to go and pick something up. So like recently I was considering getting one of those scooters for the quick hop trips. Like, you know, it's like two miles away, get a scooter on it. Walking here is a bit of a pain because there's parts that are uphill and they're kind of problematic. So I figured the scooter might help for some of those. However, I didn't, you know, sometimes to get the pickup, you got to drive eight miles to go get the, the pickup of two mile trip thing for the future. So you're setting for future things. Plus in the place I'm potentially going, it would be kind of at a downtown core. And so I figured let's just get the scooter because I know they're going to be ripping out car lanes. Well, I'm shopping for cars. This is where the story was going. I'm shopping for, back then it was easy. Like they almost threw cars at me. I've had tons of cars. Now it's always something. I had this guy, he was selling somebody else's uh, Sebring. It was a Sebring, nice, low mileage, good, decent price. I made a counter offer because their price I thought was a little bit too high and I wanted to work with them or split pays or internal finance, whatever we need to do so I could get the car off their hands, but not pay this bulk that they were asking up front. And he never got back to me. And then they recently sold that one. I just saw that there was a Buick that was being sold. And he said, you know, it was a really low price. He said he got it from an auction and he was just trying to get rid of it. He wasn't trying to make any profit, but he wants cash and he only will take cash. He won't do the swipe of a debit card. Of course, people are not really carrying around thousands in cash unless they're already wealthy. And if I was wealthy, I wouldn't be buying a used car. So everything is a, everything's a stop. Like either I don't get a response or the price is way out of whack or worse, the mileage is unreasonably accept, unacceptable. And I know what a good mileage should be for some certain years of cars because I did car maintenance for so long. And it's just this tussle. And so even setting aside the inflation, because that's a problem. It's a big problem. It's just used car. The used car market is all jacked up. It seems like a lot of people are just dumping their cars and buying new cars, which makes no sense because a lot of these cars are coming on the market that have sky high mileage. I saw a car that was like a 2010 with 400,000 miles. That's unheard of. That's unreasonable. Yes, technology is way more advanced, but it doesn't make any sense. Or they're asking like 10,000 bucks. I know for a fact it's probably worth about eight and I could sit and hassle. I don't want to hassle. I want to just say, I just need the thing because at this point I don't want a payment, but I do want the car and I know I'm not going to drive it occasionally, but the mileage can't be out of whack because it's going to be driven cross state at some point. So now I'm finding it really this hard for whatever reason, business to buy just a used car when in the past it was a breeze. And I don't know what the symptoms, why that's a thing. I even looked across the nation. It's a nationwide issue. I don't know why. I would argue that it's easier on the East Coast than it is on the West, but it seems like a nationwide issue. This then spins over to, to the housing market because as I mentioned on one of the past episodes, rent seems to be skyrocketing inexplicably so where it's easier now to purchase a home and the prices are much more logical on buying a home than it is to rent. And that's never been the case. I can think back ages and it's never been the case that it was easier to buy a home than rent. Buying the home was always difficult because of all the hoops that were in front of it. At this point, you could come with 20% down and pretty much you're a lock to do it as long as you have it. Then you're just fighting against cash buyers the cash buyers are starting to dwindle off a little bit because I'm seeing home prices that are going down, which has never been the case. I got an email about a house I used to own and the guy, he claims that the home price skyrocketed times three. I'm skeptical because 
everybody was nobody really wanted to buy out there. Nobody wanted to live out there. There was nothing out there. It was in the middle of nowhere. It's almost rural in how it was set up. So I'm skeptical of that. I see when I shop around, house prices like 100 grand, 150 grand. I mean, that's that's crazy. The house in Washington I had was 275k and I negotiated it down to 260k and that was close to 3000 square foot sitting on a third of an acre. You know, I, I don't know. So I've I accept that the inflation and everything else is playing a factor, but I'm also seeing illogical pricing of things. Things where I know for a fact at one point this was much easier to deal with, all of a sudden has all this nonsense in front of it. And then the worst is on the renting side, they're adding a bunch of criteria that makes no sense to me. That, you know, things that they're doing as part of the screening where they'll approve you, but then they're asking all this other garbage. It's like, it's not as easy as I got cash, let's make a deal. They don't even want the cash anymore. I'm, I'm stunned. So like in my situation now, in my summary, I have cash for days. I'm... I'm not at where I was in Q1 2020 by far, but in terms of the money situation, I'm no longer concerned in money cash flow, right? Cash availability, not a concern. And the ongoing availability is pretty robust. So now that I've got plenty of cash, it's hard to get access to services because they don't seem to care about cash. They want to try to do all these hoops that are designed to not sell you a thing or not work with you on a thing. It's a bizarre land. I don't even know what to think about it. And I've said, you know, I'll just keep marinating until I have so much cash they can't tell me no. If I have to do that, I'd rather not, but that seems like the world that we live in. So is everybody, hopefully, those that are in the United States, everybody is having a pretty decently good Independence Day. And I understand, and the reason I saved this for the tail end is because I knew it would take me a while to get past what I wanted to talk about. With Independence Day, I know that there's been a lot of information. What I've said is that our education system is arguably failing our young people. I, I know this because I interact with young people on Crypto Talk Radio all the time. And I know that it's failed a lot of our young folks. And it's unfortunate because they don't understand that the freedom that we talk about with Independence Day was one of many situations where there needed to be a discussion around freedoms. And it's been presented largely by the media that there wasn't really this fight, quote unquote. It was kind of an agreement. We came to terms. No, there were fights that happened for people's freedoms. These fights never stopped. And that's what I think was lost in the education is that these fights never stopped. We continue to fight even now. It just so happens that more people are having to fight than were the case before. And a lot of this is because we as a society in the United States have allowed the government to get involved where they should not have been. What's happening now is that the Supreme Court, largely spearheaded by Clarence Thomas, who sits on it, they're trying to spin things back to the way they're supposed to be under what the framers intended, which is that we have to not be extending this at the expense of another group. We can't get involved when we have that, and we should return power to the states. And I think that some of the grassroots movement with the Convention of States and everything is getting people a little nervous. I believe that November, as it draws near and the potential blowout, is making people nervous. I believe that a lot of the improper decisions that were made is making people nervous. I think that what we're seeing is a different size trying to force everything back to square one. And there's a group, a subset of people who don't want that. They don't want to go back to the way we had it. They want to keep it the way it is, which is broken because in their mind, it's quote progress. 
as, quote, progressives or as, quote, socialists. So when we see, I saw, I was working with crypto talk radio, and there was narratives going back and forth that with Roe v. Wade, a lot of people are apparently upset saying, well, they shouldn't be able to just unilaterally make that decision. We've got three branches of government. And the rebuttal, of course, the natural rebuttal that people don't understand, and this is where I started to mentally disconnect from society. If we go back to the gay marriage discussion, gay marriage was never truly, quote, legalized. What happened is the Supreme Court made a ruling and we accepted it on its face as just this is what it is. And the states ultimately went and complied according to what that was. That's what happened. It was never, it was never codified into law ever. It was a Supreme Court ruling. The same thing happened with Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was never codified into law. It was a ruling, a judgment by the Supreme Court, and everybody just kind of granted and accepted it. And at the time, there was no conversation about was this proper, was it correct, was it accurate, did we do the data correct? So now, as people are seeing what happened with Roe v. Wade, which was essentially the Supreme Court saying this was a bad judgment, we should not have made the judgment, and really the state should be making this call, and people who need those services can go to the state that supports their narrative, which I've said before. Well, then people said, well, they can't just make the, they can't just unilaterally take that away and they can't just unilaterally. And what we don't hear a response to is, well, wait a minute. When the Supreme Court did the same thing on gay marriage, everybody said, yep, they're the law. They're the law of the land. This is what we should be doing. Did you? No. I said, if you're, if you're under the impression, and it's a statement, if you're under the impression that the Supreme Court overstepped their boundaries with Roe v. Wade's decision, then that means they overstepped their boundaries with the gay marriage decision for the same reason. And where I said earlier that I believe that our young folks are being ill-served by our education system, it is true. We have three branches of government. This is 100%. The only one who can create a law is Congress. What should have happened with gay marriage? What should have happened with Roe v. Wade? What should have happened with gun control? What should have happened with all this is ultimately these should be funneled by Congress. And whatever Congress says or whatever they can or cannot get approved should be accepted on their face as that's what it is. And we let it go. That's what doesn't happen because they've, they, meaning society, have accepted that our Congress is ineffective. So when we saw that, that funding bill just very recently come out of Biden that he signed, and he just signed it in the law, he didn't write it, Congress did, they realize there's nothing here. There's no teeth here. It doesn't do anything because they can't because Congress will never agree on, quote, gun control. They'll never agree on abortion rights. They'll never agree on gay marriage. They'll never agree on these things, ever. At the end of the day, Congress will never agree. So Supreme Court should never have been in a situation where they were making a ruling that everybody grants as just factual law when they don't make law. What's happening instead is that certain of these people are, they have their own bias. And this I like. I like this one that they did, but I don't like that one. You can't do that. Either they have the authority or they don't, period. It is it is literally that polar. So if we accept they should not have had the authority to unilaterally execute law, we must then backtrack and revisit. And Clarence Thomas said he is wanting to do that with the gay marriage talk and everything else, that everything that they just unilaterally did a thing was improper and they should revisit it. I agree with this because we have three branches of government for a reason. And what I want people to listen and hear what I'm saying, what we should be doing is forcing Congress to be effective and make the law because it makes sense. 
The reason they can't make the law, ladies and gentlemen, is because nobody has a strong argument. Everybody has an emotion. Everybody's emotionally set off by what they want to have happen, and nobody has a strong argument to the point that our medical practitioners across the nation are mixed message. You have certain ones who absolutely support the, the inoculation, the forced inoculation, and certain ones that said, no, this is unethical. Hippocratic oath, do no harm. And this group over here says it's not doing harm because these other people are, are in danger, even though this doesn't save those other people. And they're just pushing the narrative. When you can't even get your medical organizations on the same track, when you can't get your employers on the same track, when everything is based on how individuals feel. I remember Matt Maloney, who used to be the CEO of Grubhub, and he was after the election in 2016. Donald Trump becomes elected president. He sends out a, an email to all of his employees, basically threatening them to basically quit if they supported Trump. That He said, that's not what I said. That is what he said. He said, these, quote, paraphrase, these values had no place here. Okay, you're telling them to leave. And he said in that letter, if you agree with Trump, then send me your resignation. You're threatening them because of what they believe. What you should do is embrace disparate opinions and disparate beliefs as long as you maintain your own cultural values, which shouldn't have nothing to do with who's in office. Because we couldn't do that, and because now we have low-level executives like a Bill Gates or whatever getting involved with the political spectrum, they're just influencing the political actors to answer to them because they got the money. They're the lobbyists, right? What you're seeing from the Supreme Court, folks, is a push away from that and getting back to the fundamentals that we do have three branches of government. Congress has not done its job and Congress needs to get back to doing its job. And until we get to that point, we're never going to have the peace or the unity that the president once said he was advocating for and then deviated from. So it is a good thing. I know it doesn't feel like it to some. It is a good thing that we have these narrative, these dialogues happening right now that we're pushing towards sanity and we're pushing towards common sense and the basics of what we should have been doing all along. I think it's a great thing. I'd like to see where we go with it. And hopefully we get to a point where at the end of the day, we are only saying that something is a law when Congress passes it. And if Congress cannot pass it, that we as a nation fix that. The people in office are not doing their job. Guess what? You're their boss. So you should be getting them out of office if they're not doing your job. Here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter if they align with you as far as Democrat, Republican. None of that matters. What matters is, are they working for you or are they working for rich people? And is what they're doing, their actions or inactions, are they serving the American public? The key word is public, not you as an individual. You have to also be empathetic to the plight of other people. There are Americans still struggling out there. And the reason I told my story about a used car, again, money's not an issue for me. I can only imagine what it is for somebody that does have a money issue, for somebody that does have a credit issue. Rent is a challenge for me because they're putting all these hoops in front of it. I can only imagine what it must be like for somebody like a family of four or five that's just trying to get a place to have a roof over their head and they're dealing with a bunch of nonsense. All of this was created by our government and we shouldn't accept it. We shouldn't tolerate it nor should we unilaterally push this biased law that only serves one group of people. It's not about serve one group of people. We need to serve everybody. And we have a lot of issues that everybody is struggling with. We can sit and say, well, just get a job. Do, do. We all know the hiring process is broken. Companies are increasingly doing everything they can not to pay you salaries that make sense 
in an inflation-heavy world. Companies are increasingly, increasingly filtering out candidates, in some cases, never even talking to the candidate, never even giving them a fair chance because they're getting slammed with resumes. Guess what? That's of their own design because when they took it basically nationwide, instead of regional hiring, they brought that out themselves. They wanted to go regional at, at one point because this is local people. We know the community. When they went nationwide, they did so because they wanted skills, aka college education, that they couldn't find locally. Instead of investing in the local communities to fix it, they just went and sought it somewhere else. And now it's out of control and they throw technology at the problem. This was enabled by the government. The government doesn't lock it down. The government doesn't fix the hiring process. Do you, you see what I'm saying? At, at the base level, our government has failed American public, all of us. And we have to get back to where the government is doing its job, each branch separately doing their jobs, each branch doing only what they have been allowed to do, what the founders enabled them to do. And right now there's one branch that isn't doing their job consistently, and that's Congress. Because Congress isn't doing their job consistently, the executive branch feels the need to get involved and pass executive orders that are unconstitutional. Because there's no consistency, Supreme Court is doing rulings where they had no basis and it should not be treated as law. Our system is broken. It's all broken. We all know that. We need to fix it because people are still hurting. At the end of the day, until we get to a point where people aren't hurting as much as they are now, everything's broken and we all are to blame. We need to get our government back in order which means we need to compel Congress to pass those laws. That means we have to have a good case for why we do it and do it reasonably so we're not harming somebody else. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.